Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning. We're very glad you're here. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. In the spirit of that heritage, I say, let us greet the divine in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Will you say with me the words by which we light our chalice, which is the symbol of our faith? Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love and to help one another. Our call to worship this morning is by Rumi. I looked in temples, churches, and mosques, but I found the divine within my heart. Every now and then, you are someplace and you you think it might be wise to ask, what am I doing? Why am I here? What are the all of us doing here? What's our purpose? The way this congregation answers it is with our mission. Here's what we're doing here. We wrote it on the wall and we say it together every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Our meditation reading this morning is by Walt Whitman. To me, every hour of the light and dark is a miracle. Every cubic inch of space is a miracle. Every square yard of surface of the earth is spread with the same. Every foot of the interior swarms with the same. To me, the sea is a continual miracle. The fishes that swim, the rocks, the motion of the waves, the ships with men in them. What stranger miracles are there? This is the time of our worship hour where we join together in prayer and meditation so that we can speak and listen to God as we understand God or listen to our inner wisdom or just follow our breath as it goes in and out of our bodies. We enter together into what Ralph Waldo Emerson called the wise silence. In this congregation, tiny noises from children and the noises of regular life count as part of the silence. Let us enter the wise silence together. is everything is holy now 
and giving it a magic trick is that anything is there at all. For miracles, but finding where there isn't one. When holy water was rare at best, it barely wet my fingertips. But now I have to hold my breath, like I'm swimming in a sea of it. It used to be a world out there, heaven's second rate hand. Everything, everything, everything is holy now. Real questioning child of space, I say it's not a testament, that'd be very hard to say. Say it's not a sacrament. I tell you that it can't be done. This morning outside I stood and saw a little red-winged bird sighing and like a burning bush and singing like a scripture verse. It made me want to bow my head. I remember when church let out. How things have changed since then. Everything is holy now. It used to be a world out there. Heaven second rate sent me down. But I'm walking with a reverent Cause everything is holy. teenager, I used to go to the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and I would walk around. I wanted to be an artist and a, and a doctor and a therapist and a writer and a minister. They had a big room in which the ancient pillars of a Hindu temple had been rebuilt, So it was just like this enormous Hindu temple room. 
And I was walking through it, and I slowed down, and I, and I heard, and I think you probably know what I'm talking about. I didn't hear it with my ears, but I heard it in my body, this um, low note that just vibrated through everything in this temple, and it just went, and I just stood there and let it vibrate through me, and I just thought, whew, that's unusual. Um, okay. The next room I went into was next door to it, uh, the Zen Tea Garden room, and they had bamboo growing in the corners and skylights letting in light and a beautiful little tea house with paper walls and a low table and one teapot and um, a water feature with water trickling out of a bamboo pipe. And it was so beautiful and peaceful and I sat in there for a long time. And then I went home and I, um, I got a box and I took all the the tchotchkes, you know, the, what, gugaws, the bric-a-brac. I took everything off the uh, windowsills and off the bookcases and off of everything and made a, a beautiful minimalist bedroom for myself. It made my heart feel right, made my mother worry. <laughs> so win-win, right? <laughs> told my dad about the low note in the Hindu temple, he said, oh, I, he thought it was demonic. <laughs> Lived in Jerusalem for six months, and that place is thick with holy places. A um, lot of people feel like they know exactly where the crucifixion happened, you know where the Via Dolorosa was, where Jesus carried his cross and all the stations of the cross are there, and the place where the um, Last Supper happened, and then you go to Bethlehem and they know this cave is where Jesus was born, no, no, it was this one over here. Um, people disagree, but it's okay, but most of the main holy places came from uh, Emperor Constantine's mother, uh, Helen who walked around in the town and just felt where places were holy and said, that's the place. And they said, yes, ma'am, and they made a church there. And she found um, hidden pieces of the three crosses from Golgotha, um, the two crosses where the thieves were crucified and then Jesus's cross and by a miracle she knew which one was Jesus cross the true cross and um I know I hear you feeling dubious and I I do too but I I do and but you have to know I just don't come from that tradition I come from a Protestant tradition and the Protestant uh word comes from protesting that tradition so it's deep in my bones and blood I can I help it So I'm dubious about that because I think that an individual can feel a holy moment or a sacred place, but I don't think an individual can say to other people, this is a sacred place. 
You have to pretend that this is a sacred place with me. Unless you come from a people who are more one in their oneness or in their mind than my people were. My people are not like that. They don't have like a, a, they're not willing to have a group consciousness. And so I don't scoff when a whole people said, this is our holy mountain or this is our holy lake. Um, Don't mind when, when they all agree together. My people, Scots-Irish people, we all think Scotland is holy. We go there. It's got great Indian food. Because the native food stinks. I have to say, and I'm sorry to say. Just a personal opinion. It's got nothing to do with what you think about Scottish food. Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell and anthropologists have borrowed a word from the Polynesian culture, the Pacific Island culture, to describe that feeling of impersonal power and uh, vibration in in an object or a place, and they call it mana. This place has mana. And I think that we've all felt that at some point or another about something, certainly When I was a little girl, my teddy bear had mana. I had poured so much of my love into it that it was holy. And my sister could get me to do anything by threatening my teddy bear. And she did. So a place with mana is is sometimes singular and sometimes a community experience. Now, in the Jewish scriptures, there are um, stories of both. There's a story of Jacob's dream where he lay down on a rock that was his pillow, and at night he dreamed of angels coming up into heaven and down on a ladder, and he, he made a pile of stones in that place to mark that place. And other places during the Jewish scriptures, the people have an experience, and they make piles of stones to mark that place. They're not the only ones that did that. Um, we mark sacred occasions, sometimes with a photo album, sometimes with a party, sometimes with a tattoo. We mark a time or a place that has changed us and that is part of who we are. We mark the growth of our children on the doorposts. It's a holy moment when your children get taller than you. We did not have a party in our house, but I did let my 11-year-old younger son rest his elbow on my shoulder and say, hey, little mama. (laughs) I think sometimes we, um, we plant a tree at a birth or a death. Sometimes we write a check in gratitude or determination. And those can be holy moments. And then I listen to that song that I love, Everything is Holy Now, and I think, really, everything? Because, you know, I'm Unitarian Universalist, so I have oppositional defiant disorder. And so I've got to... I have to go, seriously, everything, everything is holy. Um, You know, I understand about the little bird, absolutely holy. I understand about um, water, the sea, everything Walt Whitman mentioned in his poem... 
but uh, mosquitoes, roaches, cancer cells, prions, flesh-eating bacteria. I am not enough of a spiritual person to see the holiness and all of that, although in, uh, some Hindus will do talk about God as the creator and the destroyer, and all of those things have God in them. If you can see it the right way, I don't, I don't yet. Are some things just evil? I'm, I don't think so. But I really don't, right now, given the situation that we have, I just don't have the patience for philosophical discussion. I don't have the patience. Right now, there are things to do, and there are things that are wrong. And right now, many among us are really grieving and upset and horrified at the separation of children from their parents and at the incarceration of babies. And we grieve and we rage and people are having their children taken away for doing something completely legal, which is coming to the border and asking for asylum. And people are having their children taken away for doing something that is a misdemeanor, which is crossing the border at a non-entry point um, for the first time. It's a misdemeanor. They're getting their children taken away. The babies are having to show up in court by themselves. We are, as a nation, vibrating with horror. You could see that yesterday. Now, I believe that we all want to say, this is not us. But there is a holy moment when you realize, this has always been us. And when I say us, I mean my people, who were here in 1619 or something, Scots-Irish people, who <clears throat> slaughtered the native people who were here and who uh, later on removed the native children from their homes and put them in boarding schools so they could erase the culture and who sold babies away from African enslaved men and women. We separate children, separate children, separate children from their parents and, and now we're doing it. Again, and some people are fine with it, I guess. Um, there was a wonderful piece in The Onion about how to have a civil conversation about baby jails. <laughs> you, must, you must look it up. So, something becomes holy when it receives our energy and when we call on the divine to help us. And so, our sorrow, those of you all who are sorrowing, your sorrow is holy and the divine is moving in that. And those of you who are outraged, your rage is holy and the divine is moving in that. And those of you who feel broken, your brokenness is holy and the divine breathes through that and makes things change, not only things, but ourselves. Because we can say, this is not us. This is not us here. We do not want to participate in this. We do not want to facilitate this. We want to cry out against this. That is us. And I believe it is most of the people in our country. 
So something becomes holy with the investment of your time, your heart, your treasure, your energy. We bring our hearts to a place. We bring our hearts to our home. Our home becomes holy. Some people mark the holiness of their home or remind themselves of the holiness by having a little bowl of water by the door, like holy water, and you dip your hand in the water by the door and just put it somewhere on you to say, I'm home now and this is holy space. Not recommended for people with dogs or small children. <laughs> Some people have a family chalice and they light it at mealtime saying, make this mealtime we have to connect with one another holy. We can light a candle at any time or just close our eyes for a moment in gratitude. And I would love for you to tell me what you do in your homes to mark holy moments. And one of the things that we are going to do here is that today, those of you who are here, whether you're members or not, whether it's your first time or not, don't care, we are going to go out these doors and out those doors and into the new construction here. And there are cans full of Sharpie markers sitting on the floor. We're going to write blessings on the studs that will be underneath the wallboard. And so we'll know that our blessings are in there, our, our good wishes, our hearts, our, our energy is in the new part of this place, creating it as sacred space. So I invite you to do that as our worship is over. Please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire and sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. Remember the This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.